Would you please take the word of God with me and turn back to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm very excited to have the opportunity to bring forth the word of God this evening. I'm thankful for this church and for our pastor, Pastor Moreland, for his investment in my life and in the life of my wife. And we are grateful that we have the opportunity to worship and serve alongside this wonderful church and are excited uh, for all of the wonderful things that God is doing and all of the things that God has in store for us. I believe this is where God would have us to be tonight. We won't read the entirety of the uh, passage, but we'll read a portion now. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting again in verse number 1. The word of God says, It came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazar Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? And jump with me to verse number 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible uh, this evening, would you please mark this phrase that we find at the end of verse number 12, where King Jehoshaphat says, But our eyes are upon thee. But our eyes are upon thee. And with God's help, I want to speak on this topic this evening. What does it mean to keep our eyes upon God in times of trouble? What does it mean to keep our eyes upon God in times of trouble? Here in this passage, the Bible tells us that news was brought to King Jehoshaphat, King of Judah, that the Amorites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir all came together to fight against Judah. King Jehoshaphat quickly realized that he was outnumbered. They did not have the manpower nor the resources to fight off this army. He realized that he was in trouble and that if God did not intervene, they would be taken away. So the Bible tells us that King Jehoshaphat uh, proclaimed the fast. He called all of the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem to come and to pray. And the Bible tells us that King Jehoshaphat stood before the people of God and he prayed. And in his prayer, King Jehoshaphat said this, Lord, we are in a situation where we don't know what to do. In verse number 
12, he says, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But the only thing that we know to do in this circumstance is to keep our eyes upon thee. He said, even though we don't know what to do, even though we do not have the power nor the might, but our eyes are upon thee. And there are times in the Christian life where the Lord will allow storms, he will allow trials and difficulties to come. But the great test of our faith is not what we do to get ourselves through the difficulties, but rather it is this one thing. Are we keeping our eyes upon Christ? Or are we looking to the circumstances that surround us? Remember with me in Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus told his disciples to get into the ship and to pass unto the other side of the Sea of Galilee. As they obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that the disciples encountered a storm and they all thought that they were going to perish. Then they saw someone walking on the water. They were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. But the Lord Jesus Christ responded to them and said, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. It is I. And then Peter, that bold disciple said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter, having his eyes fixed upon Jesus, began to walk on the water. But you see, the, the moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, the Bible tells us that he began to place his eyes on the winds and the waves that were boisterous around him. He began to sink. Showing us that in the midst of the storm, the moment we take our eyes off of Jesus and we place our eyes on the circumstance, we will be just like Peter and we will sink. But thank God, even though Peter sank, he, he cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, save me. And the Bible tells us immediately the Lord stretched out his arm and saved him. In the storms and in the trials, we are to look to Jesus and not to our circumstance. And here, King Jehoshaphat faced a, a, a battle. He faced a storm that, that he did not know what to do. And it's interesting, after this great proclamation was made, the Bible tells us in verse number 14 that the prophet of God came into the midst of the people. And God began to speak. And the first thing that we see, that when we are in a battle, when we are in a storm, when we are in a time of difficulty where we just don't know what to do, the first thing that we find here in this passage of scripture is that we are to dismiss all fear and discouragement. We are to dismiss all fear and discouragement. Notice with me in verse number 18. Pardon me, let's go back to verse number 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And notice this, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Notice with me again in verse number 15. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Here 
the people of God were outnumbered. Here the enemy was coming out against them and God steps in and says, look, even though the enemies are out against you and even though you are outnumbered, do not be afraid. Fear is one of the tactics that Satan uses upon the people of God because he knows as long as God's people are walking around so afraid because of their circumstances, so afraid because of what could possibly happen, they are of no good use to the king. That's why the Bible tells us, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to ask you this evening, are you a fearful person? Are you afraid of what could possibly happen in this circumstance, in this trial? Someone said you are either going into a trial, currently in a trial, or leaving a trial. Peter put it this way, brethren. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Peter made it very clear. He said, when you go through trials or when you go through storms, don't think that something strange is happening unto you. But realize that it is normal for the Christian to go through trials and difficulties. Jesus never promised to take us out of the difficulties, but he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He has promised that in the midst of the fire, he would be as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the third, the fourth man in that fire. So he says, be not afraid. Despite whatever it is that you may be going through this evening, you should not be afraid and fearful because of who God is. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says this, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In other words, God is able to do more than you could even ask. And he can do more than you think. And on one account, the Lord told the sun to stand still and he told the moon to stand still so that he would give his people the, the victory. On another account, he parted the the waters so that his people would come through on dry land. You see, there is nothing too hard for God to do. And this same powerful God to whom there is nothing too hard for him to do is the same God that is with you. It is the same God that in Isaiah chapter 41 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will hold thee by thy right hand. Even though you go through the waters, the rivers, they will not overflow you. Even though you go through the fires, they will not burn you. They will not kindle upon you. Our God is able. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 32, the Lord asked his people a very interesting question. He said this, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Your circumstances today, your trial, the things that you are going through this evening, are those things too hard for God to do? And Jeremiah gave the the right answer in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He said, Ah, Lord God, behold, for thou hast created the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee to do. And because of this, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the conflict, we as the people of God should not be 
afraid. Many have the idea that God is on the balcony of heaven, wringing his hands, wondering what is going on. But, but, but that's, that could not be furthest from the truth. Because our Savior is seated on his throne, signifying that he is in full control. Nothing just happens. Even when Satan wanted to tempt Job, he had to get permission from God first. Because the God that we serve is a sovereign God. In other words, he is in complete control of everything that happens. Nothing just gets past God. So because of all these things, the Lord said this, even though the armies are out against you in verse number 15, he says, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. So the first thing we see is God told his people, be not afraid. All the fear, all the worry that causes you stress and anxiety and holds you back and immobilizes you, cast it away because of the one that's with you. Secondly, I'd like to show you that when we find ourselves in these trials and in these storms, we must realize that we have already been given the victory. We have already been given the victory. Notice with me in verse number 17, the Lord said this, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Oftentimes what, what we can do as the people of God is, is we, we, we come to church, we take our issues, we take our problems, we take the battles that we're facing, and it would be as if we placed them on the coat rack outside. Then we come into the house of God and we enjoy the, the music and the fellowship. We enjoy the preaching and being in God's house. But the moment the service is over, we go right back to that coat rack. We pick up our problems and we try to deal with it ourselves again. But notice what God told his people. He said, look, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. This particular conflict, it is not for you to fight. And by the way, I believe that there are so many battles and so many conflicts that we face and we're, we're trying to fight ourselves. But the Lord's saying this one, it's not for you to fight, but it's for me. It's not for you to fret about. It's not for you to try to figure out. It's simply for you to place your faith in me and let me fight it for you. So he said this battle that's in front of you, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. And then he gave them some instructions in verse number 17. Some of the most difficult things to do in a time when you are in a storm, one of the most difficult things to do when you're going through the conflict is this, set yourselves and stand ye still. Just be still. Set yourselves. Set yourselves, be still from your anxieties, be still from all of your worries, be still from your racing mind and set yourselves and simply see the salvation of the Lord with you. Notice he didn't say and see the salvation of the Lord that will come to you. He said, no, the salvation of the Lord in verse number 17 is with you. And you know why that was the case? Because at the end of verse number 17, the Bible says, for the Lord will be with you. 
Aren't you thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? That he is with us at every moment, every day. He never departs. He is a friend that is closer than a brother. And the Lord Jesus Christ, this friend who has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, has also promised this. He said this in John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he, go, he went on to say this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Sometimes we have to simply take our eyes simply off of the very fact that the circumstances are in front of us. And unto the truth that we are simply pilgrims and strangers on this foreign land. This world is not our home. We are simply passing through. And Jesus, our glorious Savior, said for those who have placed their faith in him, he has gone to prepare a place in heaven. And if he has gone to prepare a place in heaven, he's coming back. And by the way, he's coming back at any moment. And we have to be ready. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Realizing that Christ has already won the victory. No matter what it may be, Christ won. And we are in Christ and Christ is in us. So we see how God told his people in verse number 15, do not be afraid. Tonight, do not be afraid. Secondly, we see how the battle was already won. The Lord said this battle that you are fighting, this battle that, you, that, that faces you, the battle that's in front of you, you don't have any kind of need to fight it. Why? Because the Lord's with you and the Lord's going to fight it. And then the most unusual thing happens. King Jehoshaphat, in verse number 21, the Bible tells us that he consulted with the people and appointed singers that would simply, their job was to say, praise the Lord, praise the beauty of the holiness of God. So literally God told the people, God told his people, you are going to go out and you're going to fight the army, the fight the enemies. But before the army went out, there was a group of people, not with swords and shields, but simply their job, their job wasn't to fight. Their job was simply to sing and praise God. As they were marching to the battle, there was a group of people and their job was solely to sing praises unto God. That speaks to something. That as we go to the fight, what should we, how should we be like? We should be like those that sing unto the Lord. We should be those that are joyful unto the Lord. And in verse number 22, the Bible says, the moment they began to sing and to praise, notice this, and when they began to sing 
and to praise the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. It wasn't until the people of God began to sing praises unto God the moment that the battle began. They began to sing. When we are in these trials and these battles and these difficulties, we must be those that sing unto the Lord, that praise the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And it is an incredible thing that the moment that they began to sing, God came through and took away the enemy. Could it be that the Lord is waiting for you to sing and to praise his name in the midst of the difficulty? Oh, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this battle, Lord. I don't know what to do. The only thing I know to do is to keep my eyes upon you. This was the response of the people of God. And dearly beloved, this must be our response as well. In Numbers chapter 21, the Bible records for us how the children of Israel murmured against Moses and they murmured against the Lord. The Lord was so displeased by their murmuring that he sent fiery serpents into the camp. And those fiery serpents bit many of the children of Israel. Many became sick. Many of them died. Then they had realized what they had done. And the elders came to Moses and said, Moses, please pray unto the Lord for us because we have sinned. The reason why the fiery serpents are here is because we were murmuring against you and murmuring against God. So, Mo so Moses prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord told Moses to take the fiery serpent and to put it upon the pole. And whosoever was bitten by the fiery serpent, if they were to look to that serpent that was lifted up, they would be healed. Signifying how Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, would be lifted up upon a cross. And whosoever would look to him by faith and call upon him by faith and repent of their sins would be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ said to him that come to those that come to him, he will in no wise cast them off. Has it ever dawned on you that eternal life is not something? Eternal life is someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. He willfully went to the cross for us on the eve, on the guard, at the garden of Gethsemane while he was praying and the officers came to arrest him. It was Jesus that came up and went to the officers and said, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And they all fell back at shock and fear. And then Jesus Christ, the powerful God who created the heavens and the earth, came down as a man and he allowed, think of this, he allowed men to take a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and nails in his side and nails in his feet to be mocked and humiliated so that we could be saved from our sins. This was how serious our sin was, how Christ had to be humiliated for us. And Psalm 22, a prophetic psalm, a psalm where we find the words of Christ while he was on the cross. Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art, art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? 
in verse number seven, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighteth in him. In verse number 12, this is the prophetic psalm of Christ upon the cross. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouth as a rev- raviting and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue cleave it to my jaws and thou has brought me into the dust of death for dogs have compassed me the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me they pierced my hands and my feet and we see how Jesus our savior suffered he was lifted up upon a cross and he suffered because he loved us so much and this evening if you are here or if you're watching on the live stream and you have never been born again, the Bible tells us that if you would simply call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall confess in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The same Jesus was lifted up and his blood was the payment for our sins. And if we would call unto him, he said, anyone that comes to me, he said, I will not cast him away. In other words, he said, I will not say no. You may be here and you may say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what my past is like. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to wash away every sin, every stain, and to wash away all guilt. And if you call upon Jesus Christ, you would be made a new creature in Christ. You would be given a new identity. You would be given a new home. You would pass from death unto life. You would go from being uh, uh, the enemy of God to the child of God. Just as King Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon thee. It is the same with those that do not know Christ. See, this message is the same for the believer as it is for the unbeliever. If you're here today and you're going through a trial and you're going through a storm, this is the message. Look to Christ. And if you're here tonight, you're not saved. It is the same message. Look to the Lamb of God. As we find in the book of Isaiah, Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. When we turn from our sins and we look upon Jesus Christ, we have salvation. And this is the message for tonight. To take our eyes off of the temporal, external things that we can see and lift them up to Jesus. Even as the psalmist said in Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. 
He said, I'm going to lift up mine eyes unto the hills. He's lifting up his eyes from what his eyes were on before. And he's realizing that his help is from the Lord. So he's going to lift up his eyes unto the hills from whence cometh his help. His help comes only from God. And by the way, our help only comes from God. The Bible says vain is the help of man. Men will fail us. Circumstances will fail us. But Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. King Jehoshaphat, don't fear. Don't fear. Even though the army is coming out against you, the Lord said, be not afraid. He also said, you don't need to fight in this battle. The victory has already been granted. We found how the people of God began to sing and rejoice and to praise God even in the midst of the battle. So whatever it may be this evening, may we lift up our eyes to our dear Savior, who even this moment is praying for us and find our help in Him and in nothing else. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for your precious word. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to keep our eyes solely upon Jesus Christ, our Savior. I pray, Father, that we would realize that our help only comes from thee and from nothing else. Lord, for anyone here who may be going through a trial, who may be going through a battle this evening, I pray that tonight would be the night where they would lift up their eyes and and find their help in Christ. For those who are fearful and anxious and afraid, I pray that tonight would be the night where they would find their sufficiency in Christ and where they would look. And Father, we pray also for perhaps the one who is without Christ, the one who is not saved, that tonight, they would lift up their eyes to Jesus and would see that what he has done on the cross was enough. Even as Jesus, our Savior, cried, saying, it is finished. I pray that they would see that that is all they need and that they would gloriously look to Jesus and would be saved. So we ask you for these things. Continue to speak to our hearts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.